This is February the 11th, 1986, Julie Strong interviewing Dr. Connie Yearwood about black entrepreneurs in Austin between 1890 and 1920 on East 6th Street, especially the 400 block. Since Dr. Yearwood's father, himself named Dr. Yearwood, was a physician in Austin in the early years, we'll be concentrating on physicians and dentists. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting off the subject. I want to hear about this building. Um, it was 421 uh -huh. East 6th Street. The downstairs was the drugstore, and upstairs was where there were businesses and uh, offices. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, offices for, for various businesses. Okay. 421. Now, 424 is, um, I don't know if 424 was the corner building, I guess. That's right. <coughs> but this was the Ebenezer Baptist Church building. Ebenezer Baptist Church owned 421 East 6th Street. It was okay. owned by Ebenezer Baptist Church. Uh -huh. And when would and this have been? Oh, this was as late as, let me see, they sold that building. You know, time moves on. As you get older, things don't seem quite as long ago as, I mean, you know, as um, as, a, as it does to a younger person. But it uh, they sold that building maybe 30 years ago. Okay. Maybe that long ago. I'm not sure about that, but they sold it. Right, so what you're saying is that while Ebenezer Baptist owned 421 East 6th, that was the period of time that the doctors... Some of the doctors, and they weren't all in the same building. Uh-uh. No, they who, who Dr. Dr. Christian, oh, yes. Professor Charles H. Christian, was in another building across and down, uh, uh, nearer the avenue, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the block. His, his, uh, the, well, let's see, let me see what address you had. You, you didn't put down addresses. You just... Yes, you have. I have some yeah. addresses, I think. You have addresses. Christian. Christian is not on that list because he what? came in after 1920. Remember, this list cuts off at 1920. Oh, is that right? Yes, ma'am. And nor is your father on that list. However, I want to hear about him anyway. Oh. Yeah, I just go up to 1920. You're just going to 1920. For certain. Persons. I see. Well, then I... Uh, can eliminate that then, except that, uh, let me see what you have down here for Everett Gibbons, because he was in that building. You don't have an address down at 421, and I have, it was called, upstairs was called the half. Here's your list. I've got it in another location. Okay. Dr. Gibbons, everyday, every Honorable Gibbons, yeah. And I don't know why they've got that comma between the H. Huh? That's probably my typographical error. I guess it is. I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, Dr. Gibbons, and, and you, the reason you put 1914-1920. That's the period of time. That, that you were doing it, uh -huh. because he lived much longer right. than that. Uh -huh. He practiced until he died. Right. Uh -huh. I, I, just, I just cut off for the purposes of that. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for Gibbons. Yeah, I because he and my father were in the same building. Their, their offices were next door to each other. But your father didn't come to that building until after 1920, right? That's right, because he practiced in Oklahoma City. And then uh, my mother was stupid and wouldn't go to Oklahoma because it was Indian Territory. But um, he practiced. He came to Texas, but he didn't come right away to Austin. He came okay. to my mother's area. Well, let's talk about your
Well, you don't, you don't need to since that you're not including well, those persons in that. But I want to hear about it anyway, and I'll tell you why later. <laughs> because he, I think he came in right after this period. And because you are a descendant, you are probably my best source for learning about the positions in Austin Air Force Base. So even though he is not on my block prior to 1920, I'd still like to get at least some basic biographical and professional Yes, it's all right. I have no objection. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so he first practiced in Oklahoma, is that right? He first practiced in Oklahoma City. Right. And when would this have been? And oh, from the time he uh, graduated uh, in 1907, I don't think he stayed there for two years. I don't, I'd have to check on that on the period of time because then he left Oklahoma and went to Edna, Texas. So that was about when? About 1910. We'll say 1910, maybe 1909. I'll say 1910. And where did he graduate yeah. from? Meharry Medical College. So he was. M E H A R R Y Medical College of Walden University. Uh, Walden, W A L D E N. Walden University. His diploma has Walden University, Meharry Medical College, Nashville, Tennessee. And is, is the college still named that? Meharry Medical College <laughs> is still named Meharry okay. Medical College. Walden University no longer exists. Uh, Meharry um, became an independent college of Walden at a certain period, and I, that, that's history, and I'd have to myself look that because it was not Walden University when I went there. It, it, it was separated. It was uh, you know, totally separated. But Walden University had the um, School of Education, whatever they called it, the liberal arts college and the medical school and the dental school and the pharmaceutical school, the school of nursing, the school of theology and all of that. It was a Methodist supported institution supported by the Methodist church. Mm -hmm. It was called the Methodist Episcopal Church at mm -hmm. that time. Right. You know, Methodist Church has undergone a lot split, of uh, right. merger, not split, but merger. Split okay. way back. So he went to Edna, Texas about 1910. Probably about 1910, 1919, yeah. And then, and then he, uh, he didn't, he stayed there. I don't know. See, I wasn't born then, but then um, he went to uh, Gonzales, Gonzales, Texas, that's in Gonzales County, mm -hmm. of course, and practiced there. Okay. And he practiced there for about 15, 15 or 16 years. About 1925 to 26. No, 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 no. He we went there about 19. Let me see. He 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 must have left Edna in 1910 and went and went to Gonzales. Okay, and if he if he stayed in Gonzales 10 to 15, 15 to 16 years, I think, and I think it was. I don't know, I'd have to I'd have to subtract that. All right, so that's and about. Guess, huh? He came to Austin in 19. Did he immediately set up practice then yes. on 4th Street, on 6th Street? Yes, immediately. <coughs> Where? 421 East 6th. That's the only place he ever practiced in Austin, was 421. He was a native of Austin. He was born in Austin, right here on 11th Street. Is that right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. When, what year was he born, do you know? Yes, uh, 1882. Do you find Because he used to talk about watching the Capitol being built. 
You got each other. And that was so funny to us children. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, you mean you're that old that you saw the Capitol building? Because we thought the Capitol was real old and mm-hmm. it's not all that old. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was built 
Anthony told me he was smart. That's all I know. He never commented about that. So I, I met one of his classmates up there in Oklahoma City, and he was talking about uh, how easy it was too many for my father to get the uh, the uh, material, the information, you know, learn medicine, and how difficult it was for him. But uh, he was a native. This man was a native of Oklahoma, and uh, five of them practiced together in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uh, had great good respect for my father as well. What was his name? Your father's friend. Uh, what was his name? Until then, it was a delight of mine to meet him in those very late years yes. like that. Mm -hmm. I get to talk to you about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know, I had the same, same experience. Okay, I would like to backtrack just a little bit <coughs> and talk about one of these individuals. I'll turn off the table for okay. if you want me to. All right. Um, what I'd like to do is to talk about each of those individuals, tell me whatever you know about them. Oh, well, the only thing I know is that um, they were general practitioners. They were not special. They didn't specialize in any specific thing. Okay, and we're talking about Dr. Stevens? We're talking about all of them. Okay. All of those on my list of seven all, individuals. All, all of them uh, for, for the simple reason that uh, uh, their practice primarily was limited to Negroes or okay. colored people as, mm -hmm. you know, we've gone through this bit of colors, yes. Negro, black. Right. So they, they primarily, their practice primarily was limited to their own race. Okay. However, there were many instances in which they had numerous patients of other racial distinction. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Stevens was a um, very professional type uh, individual. Um, he, he was, was a medical doctor. You told me he, he was, was not. Doctor. He was not only a pharmacist, but he or was. I he didn't know. I didn't know anything about him being a pharmacist. I never heard that before. Okay. All I know is that he ran. He owned and operated that drugstore. What drugstore? Stevens. Oh, never you're heard talking of about. I'm, oh, I'm talking sorry, John I'm, H. Stevens. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of someone else. I'm well, sorry. that's that's okay. But I've I've never heard of him being a no, pharmacist you're right. at all. You're right. But he was a. Um, <coughs> practitioner, uh, an MD, okay. a medical, a doctor of medicine. Right. Do you know where and he got his degree by any chance? I think the Harry Medical College. Okay. Uh, uh, I tried my best to find a book of the Lone Star State Medical Association, which has these physicians listed in there, and my memory was a little more acute then than it is now, and uh, they are listed, but I couldn't put my hands on it. I would love it's, to see that. Well, I'm going to try to find it for you so that you might review it. It's not a very good, uh, it started out to be a history, and it's just a good yearbook. It's about all it's good. When does it but date from, Dr. Oh, it dates from the beginning of the Lone Star State Medical Association. That was in 1886. It was the second Negro Medical Association established in the nation. And that was, the first year was 1886. But okay. uh, that yearbook, you think, dates from that? Oh, yes. It's supposed to date that far, but it really doesn't because it, uh, it was done uh, under, um, well, it was supposed to have been done real rapidly, 
and there hadn't been opportunity to do the proper research on it. But the individual who wanted to do it and wanted to do it by a certain time uh, really did not have um, the time nor the expertise to, to get it uh, completed as it should have been. Do you know approximately but when that yearbook was put together? Uh, is it in more recent years? So it was, oh, yes. So oh, yes. It was, a it, was, it was as, let me see, it was as recent as, let's say, 1960, between 1960 and 62, okay. I believe is when it was done. Right, so it's and a retrospective I, on all the black doctors. Yes, it, well, it's supposed to be. Okay. But it doesn't contain as much as it should so far as the number of, uh, I mean, the, the uh, many positions that should have been included in it. And Do you know if Dr. Stevens is included? I think so. Yes, as I recall, oh, he I was. Uh-huh. And, um, now, back to Dr. Stevens, um, I think I made the remark that he was a very professional type of individual. Yes. And um, he, he had quite a large uh, practice in, the, in this Austin area. Um, Black and white? He had some white patients, yes, um, from other, of other ethnic origin, uh -huh. uh, as most of the, uh, practically all the physicians and dentists did. They, they'd get a reputation of being a good physician and uh, persons. It seems that when it comes to medical care, persons, uh, if, the, if they're in distress, they don't care who renders assistance to them, you know, call up face when it comes to uh, getting uh, relief. Uh, I don't know what else to say about him because after all, I was a kid and, and um, he, we all stood in somewhat awful respect mm -hmm. uh, for any of the professions, in particular medicine, dentistry, ministry, and uh, pharmacy and like that. So those four professions, you would say, were among, among the, the highest respected Respected, that's right, uh -huh, particularly the physician. Mm -hmm. And uh, pr primarily that was, I suppose, because of the one-on-one -on -one relationship which they had with patients. Patients were primarily treated in the home, and uh, unless uh, it was a very... Not at the offices? Yes. In, I mean, if it was a confined-to-bed thing, okay. it was co the confinement at home instead of in the hospital. Mm -hmm. See, the hospital privileges were not as open as they are in, in this present day. Only when a patient was critically ill uh, were they uh, sent or admitted uh, to the hospital mm -hmm. for treatment. So, if you so were much of the practice was office and home. Okay. If it was okay. a, if it was a bed patient, then it was in the home. Uh -huh. if, it, if it was ambulatory, then of course the office. What about uh, surgery, then? Uh, usually, there was this relationship. If there was not a hospital operated by Negroes. In within the confines of the area. Was there in Austin such a hospital? No. So they primarily went to uh, Seton or Brackridge, and um, uh, one of the other surgeons were uh, uh, the ones used for these patients, and most of the physicians knew which, who of those uh, of those surgeons. Um, they could depend on to take good care of their patients. Mm -hmm. 
because there was a segregated situation. The patients were at a disadvantage totally because they were not admitted to the same uh, floor as uh, the other patients. So there were different so wards? There were different, there were different wards. At Brackenridge, it was a totally segregated little building, which was the first little hospital building that they had. And then when they built the big hospital, then uh, that, that was the segregated ward for the Negro patients, mm -hmm. and um, the other patients were in the big building. They had to transport these patients from, uh, from the operating room to this little segregated building through the elements outside to this little building. And uh, consequently, uh, they were in, naturally in jeopardy because uh, the elements had their effect. Of, imagine leaving a hot operating room, a warm operating room, mm -hmm. going through the elements into another building, which may or may not have had the same temperature. And this was true both at Seton and at Brackenridge? In Seton, they were in the basement of Seton Hospital mm -hmm. uh, because they just had the one building. But in um, at Brackenridge, it was uh, the two separate buildings. Uh -huh. So separate when would this have been, Dr. Oh, that was back then, then, whenever, uh, the, during this period. How long did this about? situation exist in Austin? Oh, it existed for a long time. Uh, uh, um, now, I'd have to think about, you know, when it comes to dates, I'd have to think about the date of that because. Up to uh, the 1940s or 50s? Yeah. Up to the 60s? Oh, I'm trying to remember when they began bringing the patients into the main building mm -hmm. at Brackenridge. And this is uh, not very clear to me at this moment. But, uh, but it's some of the other, I tell you, um, um, some of the other physicians may be able to tell you that because they were in active practice, you see. And while I was in public health, mm -hmm. I was with the Texas Health Department. And um, uh, of those physicians, I took. D.E. Connor is the only one living that would would be able to probably give you that date okay. when, of the year, you know. I've been trying to I can go back and, you know, mm -hmm. read. No, yeah. I've been trying to call him anyway, so I will oh, add right? this question to my list. Yes, uh-huh, yes, add that question because he was, he was directly involved in that, you see, because he was in active practice. He just retired here about, oh, I guess, uh, Eight, six or eight years ago. Okay. Uh -huh. I'll turn off the tape recorder so you can and catch the phone. Uh, to talk with about most of anything. Uh, see, he was not here, though, in the 20s, but this was just these men's information. You need to have any future thing that you plan doing. Well, it would help me, too, also to know. I'd like to know how long this rather strict segregation policy. Oh, it, oh, it was in effect until. Oh, yeah. I would think the hospitals would start breaking down earlier because of health concerns, but I won't. It's amazing, but true. Amazing, but true. No, uh, so far as I know, Austin never had uh, a hospital until Holy Cross was established. And we had a Dr. Adams, and I don't see his name on here, do I? No. Adams? Yes, you have two Adams down here, but either one of them no. uh, 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 would be the one. And um, what was Adams' name? 
he was responsible for Holy Cross Hospital. Holy Cross Hospital started out over here on 11th, uh, right off the 11th on, uh, was it Concho? One of the streets over in there. And it was because of the segregated situation at Seton and at Brackenridge, which was the two hospitals that we had met in the club. And Dr. Adams started Holy Cross. He was the one who initiated the idea with Father Weber, I believe his name was. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, try, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, his first name. He didn't remain in Austin very long. Dr. Adams and did not? No, he didn't. And it seems to me like his name was George, but I'm not sure about that. I may be thinking about another Adams somewhere else. But you don't have him down here. No, he's later. Uh-huh. However, I need yes. this sort of background information. Yes, he, he, he was later. He and Dr. Connor both were later because Dr. Connor was a senior in medical school when I, when I went there as a freshman. So, so you're saying that uh, Holy Cross then was initiated as a black hospital? That's right. It was. It didn't be didn't become an integrated hospital until um, they built over here, here where they are on uh, Martin's Cube, which was East 19th. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. That's when it, uh, it was not until after that hospital was built. It, well, mm -hmm. they might have had one or two mm -hmm. patients. The same type of situation that existed in Anyway, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there were occasions when, occasions when they might have a very fair uh, Negro in a hospital on a non-segregated ward when they didn't know, didn't know what the person was. You didn't designate what you were, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the usual story. Mm -hmm. But, um, You had asked me when did the segregation period, and as I say, as I, as I said, uh, uh, when it ended, Dr. Connor can tell you better okay. about that's that because he was involved and he was in active practice okay. at that time. Okay. I would like to know the names that you said earlier that there were a good many white doctors who would, who were trust, trusted by the black physicians. <laughs> to treat their oh, patients. Yes, to, Did to you give me the names of, of some of those oh, doctors? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't remember who the who the surgeons and the, in, well, they weren't necessarily internists, but maybe they were, uh, who would assist in um, diagnosing, helping to diagnose and treat unusual cases and the like. But when it came, when it came to surgery, until Holy Cross, was uh, established, um, the Negro physician had nowhere to do the surgery. Now, surgery. perform surgery. If it was something but minor, like tonsillectomies, mm -hmm. which were considered very minor in those days, uh, and other bits of, of minor surgery they did in their office. I see. Uh-huh. What are some other Because examples? my sister, my sister had her tonsillectomy in my daddy's office, mm -hmm. and he had a Negro surgeon from Bryan, Texas, to come to Austin to take her tonsils out. And this is the sort of thing that, that was done. Mm -hmm. Now, he would have either done that or carried her down to Bryan to, to let Dr. Hammond take uh, her tonsils this, out. When did your sister have her tonsils out? Have you any idea? Oh, what that back. Yeah, the 20s. 20s, okay. Uh -huh. that, but that would have been the 25s or something, you know, right. my father didn't. As I said, didn't come back home until, as you recognize, he didn't mm -hmm. come home from that. 
Okay, so what that, other types of minor surgeries then could have been performed or were performed in the office environment besides tonsillectomies? Oh, well, I don't know, primarily that type that, that relates to injuries, I would assume, such, you know, any, any injury that uh, calls for suturing or the setting of fractures. Okay. And that kind of thing, you know, primarily. Mm -hmm. Okay. But any organ. Oh, no, that, that, you couldn't do hospital. anything like that, you know, in, in your office. Uh -uh. So uh, that, that's why the establishment of Holy Cross Hospital. Okay. Where, where uh, uh, Negro surgeons could have access, uh, or Negro physicians could have access to their the patients and uh, perform surgery. Okay, so um, when, if a patient really was really desperately needed, or not desperately, but if a patient needed surgery, then he was recommended by his physician to a white surgeon. Who uh, usually the physician would contact the white surgeon, okay. uh, uh, relate to the surgeon, the situation regarding the patient, what his diagnosis was, and the patient, the, the white physician would either come to the patient's home to examine uh -huh. that patient or the patient go to the white doctor. If it was an ambulatory patient would go to the white doctor's office and he would confirm and then he would admit, he would do the surgery. Occasionally they would ask, uh, and, and maybe more frequently than I know about, uh, they would ask the uh, Negro physician to assist in the surgery. So uh -huh. that's the only example that you know of where the Negro doctor could help in the mm -hmm. performance of the surgery. Yeah, that's true. So there was a sponsorship type relationship. Uh, the, more, the, yes. the black uh, patient who knew he was in bad trouble could not on his own initiate contact. Well, could, yes, could. could if they did. But if they were, if they were being attended by a Negro physician, then it was just the, the physician, yes, we would do make, it yeah, that's right, uh-huh, yeah, that, that's the way it usually happened, uh -huh. that the Negro physician would say, well, now I recommend Dr. So-and-so, right. and there had been established a sort of rapport between these several uh, white physicians and the Negro physician. Right, so we're not certain. really... Same thing with ophthalmology, mm -hmm. dermatology, any of those things that became uh, severe, then you were referred. Okay, so we're really talking about the way the professional relationship operated at that time more and even now, more so than we were talking about social prohibitions in a, in relating to segregation. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, even correct. today, we yeah, doctors recommend other doctors and you go. Oh, well, yes. That, well, now that, you see, in that instance, uh, a family practitioner is what, what the general practitioner is called now, a family mm -hmm. practitioner. The family practitioner, if, if, uh, if he recognizes the need for a specialist, makes the referral mm -hmm. for the patient and sets up the, the appointment and the patient goes to the referred uh, physician for the specialty uh, examination and diagnosis. Would you, you say, say that that was the analogous situation then in the United Well, it, uh, uh, the only difference there is it was based on, on racial prejudice. It was in the 20s. 
in the 20s. It was based on, 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 on racism. And now it's based on professionalism. Uh, here, uh, I'm, a, I'm a family practitioner. I need the services of, an, of a specialist. So I refer my patients to that specialist, you see. Uh -huh. If it's, uh, there was not so much of referral for obstetrics then, unless it was a most unusual case, because most of these general practitioners delivered their own patients mm -hmm. in the home. And home delivery is coming back, as you probably know a good bit about. And the women have, be have determined that they prefer the less formal type of, uh, of situation rather than the hospital type. Uh, I think differently about it. I, 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 it's probably okay, but because I was born like that, <laughs> no problem apparently with my I'm really being in the hospital. In case well, I personally, I personally, I really feel that it's a better place to be. But then there's this, um, this tendency toward home delivery. On the other hand, there's also a tendency on the part of the hospital to make yes. it a home-type environment, Definitely. allowing the family in, particularly the father in, allowing the father to be present when the delivery mm -hmm. takes place and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So the hospital is not quite as formal in its obstetrical <coughs> environment as it used to be, where nobody was allowed in not even the father, except after the baby was born and then right, or in the line-in room. That's probably a response to social pressure from it the is, public. It I is, it is. I want to interrupt just one minute sure. and check sure. this tape recorder to make sure I'm getting, I'm taping because you're telling me good things and I'm, I'm, I don't want to take notes, I want to pay attention to you. <laughs> you see, mm -hmm. most of, there was no licensing of those people then. Mm -hmm. They just uh, learned either under the physician as there was many learning under white physicians as under Negro physicians, you mm -hmm. see. So that there was no requirement to have licensed vocational nurses, as they're called now, or uh, even to have a licensed registered nurse. Mm -hmm. There so was what no you're requirement that you could do what you wanted to, just since the physician was licensed. Right. So what you're saying is that the not only did racism prohibit the trained black physicians from performing surgery, but there the was cost the of setting up a facility of your own uh, mm -hmm. was also prohibitive. That's right. Therefore, you had this sort of had to have this backdoor relationship with trustworthy white doctors who had access to the hospitals to get the necessary. That's right. In some areas, we talking about Austin, Texas, and Travis County, right? <laughs> but in some areas of the state, I think it was a little bit more relaxed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, behind closed doors, physicians uh, did whatever they wanted to. For instance, perhaps allowing the uh, uh, Negro surgeon to go ahead and, and do some of the surgeries mm -hmm. and the like. Well, now on this Lone Star Medical Society we were alluding to earlier. I was talking to Dr. Robert Hilliard in San Antonio yes, yesterday, uh -huh. and I spoke also with Dr. Frank Bryan. Yeah. They're trying to pull together some materials for me. I'm interested in that society because I want to see if any of my doctors were members of that society. I wish I, I had tried, 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 tried to get that material back. 
I know where it is. And I guess one of these days I'll go out there and go down in that basement and 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 remove all that stuff where is and it? get it. Is it at the Carmel? Oh no, it's in Lubbock, Texas, in the basement of um, of uh, that hospital. They're closed now. Doctor Chapman out in Lubbock, Texas, had a very nice facility out there. And he did uh, all of his surgeries, his own surgery. He built the hospital. And he did all of his own surgery. Uh, does, surgery. does he have materials Oh, he's deceased, he's deceased now. His son uh -huh. has him. I've talked to him by phone. I've talked to him when he's come here. And uh, he always says, I can get it whenever I want it. But um, it's down there in the basement, and he does not know where. The he doesn't know his home? Of the hospital, of the hospital. which is mm -hmm. closed, oh. and which, um, uh, let's see, it's, uh, there's something that goes on in that building, but the basement, it, it contains his father's records, things of his own, and uh, so forth, and I haven't done it because uh, he has um, promised from time to time that he'll do it, and uh, he hasn't done it. And I think the only way that I'll ever retrieve it, I'm sorry I ever let Dr. Chapman have it. Now, Dr. Chapman is the one who was supposed to have been writing this so-called history. So he got and the I, materials from you? He got the materials from me. My father had them. You see, my father was, um, was secretary of that organization I guess for 20 years at least, or something like that. More than 15, I'm sure. Dr. Heroin, those materials need to be on file at Barker, Texas History Center? They need to be in my hands so that I can organize. I'm the one who had them. My father devoted his whole life to that, and he was secretary until he died. They need to be in my hands to get them organized and classified and that kind of thing. But I let Joe Chapman have them to write this history. He was supposed to have done all of that. And uh, the mistake, I guess, that I personally made was not to go out there right after he expired and get, get them. them. But he had promised to send the stuff back to me. And he didn't do it because these were all of my father's files mm -hmm. as secretary of that organization. I'm saying that they were personally his because they belonged to the organization. But you see, the he was the only halfway permanent thing in it mm -hmm. because the presidents changed every two years, mm -hmm. you know, or every year or two, two years. I think it beca finally became that an administration, I think, was too well, See, those, those minutes or those records would, would possibly have data about these early doctors. Oh, well, um, yes, probably so, because um, uh, some of that I had never uh, looked at uh, stuff way back. Well, because now, you see, now my father, my father even didn't have the beginning stuff. He only had that which he which was accumulated under under his uh, uh, you know while he was uh, uh, the uh, secretary mm -hmm. of the organization. And when was he and the secretary, approximately? Oh Lord, <laughs> from let me see, he died in forty. Then Dr. Friday in Seguin became the secretary. 
I've been trying to get in touch with Dr. Friday's widow. Every time I've called her, I get no answer. So I understand that she might have some materials, too. Where should be? Dr. Friday was secretary after your father after was? Were you able to talk with anybody in Seguin at all to find out about her or where I she was? I've got a number. All I've got is a number. Oh, you've never been to Seguin? Well, I've been there, but I've not tried to go to see her. I've just been trying to telephone her. Well, what, when you were in Seguin, did you try to call her? No. No, I didn't know. I mean, I was in Seguin a long time ago. Oh, I see. I've been trying to call her from Austin in the last week because I got her name through Dr. Frank Bryant in San Antonio. Uh -huh. He told me about Mrs. Friday. Uh -huh. I have her telephone number. I know that it was Dr. Clarence Friday, but I've not okay. been able to reach her. I was hoping that she might have some materials that could tell me if ma any materials exist from this early period so that I could see yearbooks or whatever existed to find out if these individuals were members. I'll do my best to find that. The reason I can't put my hands on it right now, when we had some work done in the house, um, painting, for instance, and so forth, we uh, put into boxes, all everything was put in boxes. And, uh, you know, books are the last thing, <laughs> if you're not using them, that you take out. And, uh, I, I, and, I, and the boxes, the thing was done so rapidly, we didn't get to label them. I would and like that's to, always if a, you can a find mistake. Them, I would like very I'll try. To I'll, I'll do the best I okay. can. If, if it warms up some, because some of this stuff is, <laughs> is in, in a storage, storage house. Uh -huh. okay. And uh, it's too cold to go out there to look. But, um, Back to Mrs. Friday, I will try to find out for you through other sources how she may be reached. Okay. But I imagine that's why she didn't answer the phone. She probably was in San Antonio with her daughter. Okay, and you don't remember the daughter's name? Mm -hmm. The daughter's name, her uh -huh. name is Dorothy, I believe. Is she married? Her name is Dorothy. Yes, yeah, she's married. Gotcha, this child's wedding, and I can't think of what that married name is. But there are some Fridays in San Antonio, and it's interesting that um, that Friday's wife's name is Dorothy, too, and it's not Dr. Friday's daughter. It's a girl that's from Houston originally. But I'll find out. Okay. From, um, let's see. What is what is Friday's? I'm trying to think of this Friday's name because we could look it up in San Antonio directly and make a call and find out. It'll come to me. You know, okay. when you get you quick recall on some things when you're not associated with people constantly anymore and you don't see them too often. Okay. okay, well, we've covered a, a, one of the important topics I wanted to cover, which was how, the, your general information about how the, med the black medical community operated, and I'm glad to get all that information about the house. It was primarily office, home practice. practice. Office, home practice. It was primarily general, mm -hmm. general medicine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's go back to our individuals. You okay. had told me that Dr. Stevens was a very professional individual, mm -hmm. and he had quite a large practice. Most of it was mostly a black practice, but he did have some patients oh, of yeah. other ethnic mm -hmm. origins. Mm -hmm. What do you mean he was very professional? Can you elaborate a little bit for me? Um, <coughs> well, uh, I guess as, as a youngster, he looked the part in that he dressed 
neatly, always well groomed, mm -hmm. always had an air of professionalism, um, as as all the physicians did in that day. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, when when uh, he approached a patient, uh, it was always uh, with uh, a serious sort of demeanor. Mm -hmm. So when, when do your memories date from of Dr. Stevens? What period are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about, let me see, about 19... Oh, but you were too 1929. Yeah, but that's all right, because Dr. Stevens, I mean, mm -hmm. your memory is of Dr. There, Stevens. He's there longer than 19. Right. Let me just say. Uh-huh. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is, um, well, I guess I, I guess I saw him a lot. Um, he was friends with your fathers, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, they were officers. Oh, yes, they yeah. were all um, friends. Mm -hmm. Well, um, let's see. Asked you, oh, he, you think he went to Meharry Medical College? I think he went to Meharry. Do you have any idea who his parents were or where oh, no. he was from? Uh -uh. Do you know his she wife's name? Yes, uh, her name was, let me see, they called her Clay. I don't know what her name was. C-L-A-B-E is what they called her. Uh -huh. And she was originally a, um, oh, wait a Charles Lewis was his name with uh, Lady Lewis. Oh, is that the Charles Lewis of Austin? I have yeah. a, I have yeah. one of my businessmen is, is uh, named yeah. Charles Lewis. Yes, he ran an ice cream bar. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. That's right. Down on Sixth Street. No, it was up here on. Uh, when I knew about it, it was up here on uh, on Comal. Uh, okay. The house, this blue house, right on the street here. Uh huh. They don't talk two stories. Yes, that was their house, and the little there was a little uh, the, the little shoe shop behind there. That was the ice cream parlor. Oh really? Uh, we used to go there and get ice cream cones all the time. So, what corner is that on? That's on the corner of uh, Comal and Twelfth. Okay. But you see, the little store, the little parlor, was on Comal behind the house. Right. There. You know that little shoe shop uh -huh. was. Uh, as I recall, the shoe shop is what was the ice cream parlor. Mm -hmm. Now, Ada Simon can tell you a whole lot about those Lewises, and she can probably tell you about Clay. Okay. Because uh, she's done the research on the Lewises. Oh, she has? Uh-huh. Yeah, one of her books is about May D. Oh, that's May D. Lewis. That's May D. Lewis. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. I've read a couple of those, those May D. series. Yes, uh-huh. Well, she, she's done the research, Ada uh -huh. Simon. And she can tell you probably a good little bit, because I don't know in what depth she went in her research on the anti-Stevens family. Mm -hmm. But uh, now, now until, until about, oh, I don't know how long James has been done. Dr. Stevens' son, uh -huh. uh, James, lived here in Austin. The daughter and the other son, uh, I believe, moved to California. I think the daughter, I think, still lives in California, in Los Angeles. Now James is deceased now, James right? is deceased now. And what about he the He died other lately. By lately, I mean the last four or five years, I think, James died. Mm -hmm. And what about the other son? 
When you okay, were dead, he died early uh, in life. Yeah, Robert. His name was Robert, I believe. And he died as a as a young man. Okay. I don't remember. So the daughter may be the only one still the alive. The daughter is named Aileen. A I A L Y N E. I believe it's where Aileen spells it. A L Y N E. I think that's where Aileen spells that name. Her married name? Do you know that? Is she married? Stevens was from. No, I shouldn't have done. Yearwood is looking for Aileen Stevens' oh, that's right. married name. I will just uh, stop and whenever you want to ask me something else. This is one of the you have down here Jennings and Jenny. Mm -hmm. He changed and the name. J, 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 now, I don't know where this Jennings and Jennings comes in, and Ada may be able to tell you that. Delashwa's father, I have determined. He was from Haiti. And he well, assumed the name Delashwa, or the Duh, after he got here, apparently. Well, something I'm trying to track down. I would I would assume that he had the Duh before he got here, since, since that was a French mm -hmm. uh, connection, you know? Well, that makes more sense. It's possible that he dropped, dropped it temporarily. It. And that's what I would think, uh -huh. that he dropped it, and that Tom and his mother did you know, kept it. Because frankly, it has always been a mystery to me. And when you're young, you don't pay attention to that. When you get older, you begin to wonder, well now, who was? And I don't know, I've never heard anybody say mm -hmm. Because his mother's name was uh, Motion. M-O-T-O-N. M-O-T-E-N. M-O-T-E-N. Mm -hmm. I think it was M-O-T-E-N now, I don't know. I've always seen it spelled M-O-T-E-N. And I just do not know whether that 
so people resorted to using initials in order to to avert interrupt that. That's right. Mm -hmm. And in many instances, however, um, certain groups of people would respect the fact that you had the title of MD, or, you know, Doctor this. Mm -hmm. They didn't mind so much calling you Doctor or Reverend, but they didn't want to call you Mr. or Mrs. Why not? Don't ask me. <laughs> I don't know why. So this this gave you dignity. And you were still a descendant of, of a slave. So you had none. So people and they're going to keep you without any. You know? It's, 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 it's very it seems, subtle. Yeah, seems it seems unbelievable. It seems unbelievable now, but if you had lived through it like I have, you would realize that it was a fact. You had no dignity. No. Uh-uh. So how subtle these things perpetrate these, themselves these, in these culture. Very, very subtle. But it really was very demeaning. Sure. Demeaning. Sure. Now nobody cares. Everybody calls everybody by the first well, name. Right. Now we're going back to And of course I am very resentful of that. And and the why I guess is because I came along in a day when this was a demeaning way belittling you. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you are, you down here under me. You know. Mm -hmm. So well, I find that true. I mean, I've always been a very informal person, and I always called my friends' parents by their first names. That was just done. Yet, what is interesting to me is I'm finding that I don't want my children's friends calling me Jimmy. And I cannot figure out why. Yeah, when you did. That I'm making this uh -huh. switch, but maybe it's because I'm you do a certain amount of respect for the difference in your ages, for the difference in your position, and that you are the adult and this is the child. Now, exactly. the way we were taught, any adult that we felt real close to, like my parents were very close friends to somebody, I would, like I said, Aunt Edna and Uncle Jason, those were my mother's very dear friends. In fact, Aunt Edna was my mother's roommate at Samuel Houston College. But so I called her Aunt Edna, not Edna. It was not a, a sign of being related to someone. No, it no, was no. a sign of it, respect. It was respect. Uh -huh. that, that, uh, and I have some kids now that call me Aunt Connie, and that's their respect for me. Now, these younger ones call me Connie, see? But uh, the, uh, the older ones call me Aunt Connie. And so this is something that has developed as time has gone on. People have felt that there is no distinction, that your name is Connie, so why not call you Connie? But I think that might be a black cultural trait, the, the use of aunt. I have never, I don't have any experience well, uh, using aunt with relation in this same way. Well, well uh, as I said, I was taught that. And uh, now I called all of my mother's sisters by that name. That was because my mother said Myrtle, Nanny, Josie, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we found ourselves calling them that. Mm -hmm. They did not make us call them aunt. And they, that's exactly what they were. I never called an uncle anything but uncle so-and-so. Mm -hmm. 
Never oh, called them by that, that except attention. except my mother's youngest brother, and they his nickname was Sonny. So we always called him Sonny. But that was a practice that you absorbed because the elders in your family called him Sonny. That was right. Mm -hmm. That was right. Now, of course, a child has a tendency to call you whatever they hear somebody else sure. call you. Because sure. I understand that when uh, when uh, I was beginning to talk, that I called my mother. She, she had a nickname of Baby, and her name was Melissa. And I began to say, Witty. I couldn't say Melissa, so I was saying Witty. Well, they stopped that. And I, of course, I don't remember anything about that at all. And uh, then when they stopped me from saying Witty and tried to get me to say Mama, because that was the term back then, mm -hmm. it was Mama. Mm -hmm. And um, then I started calling her Baby, because that's what my father called her Baby. <laughs> So they had a hard time. Well, that, this is this is right. You're not supposed to call somebody in the presence of this growing child uh, a name that you don't want the child to use. You you refer to her as mother or mama or whatever. Mm -hmm. Of course, not mommy, or <laughs> mom as you get old. Oh, I told you I get off on tangents. <coughs> Okay, that's all right. Now, Dr. Abner, as I told you, that uh, um, uh, he, he left Austin mm -hmm. after having a, uh, apparently a good practice in Austin because he became involved with the American Woodman um, Insurance, where it's an insurance company now. At that time, it was a large sort of a, mm -hmm. a fraternal order. Mm -hmm. But so they did, not, uh, they did not provide insurance at that time? Yes, they, they, they did they provided a different type of insurance, you know. Um, it was more or less there were there were numerous uh, fraternal organizations that um, we as a racial group had to deal with because we were not or could not be insured by certain insur uh, insurance companies in the country. And so consequently, our own people had to develop their own forms of insuring people. Mm -hmm. And uh, these were called fraternal organizations, lodges, L-O-D-G-E-S, mm -hmm. same old word, but mm -hmm. it meant a fraternal organization where you paid so much membership into it, and it was either done weekly, monthly, or yearly. Mm -hmm. And um, out of that amount of money, so much was put in insurance premium. That's right. Uh, well, uh, then do you think that that was the cause of the development of these fraternal organizations? Yes, that was the cause. Because of this need this for something this like need insurance. So it was not a social development. I mean, my impression is that lodges... Some of them were social, started out social, but many of them was the, new, was the demand for uh, health insurance. Mm -hmm. So what other types? And, and burial. Health and burial. Okay, and would the same lodge uh, deal with both of them, health and burial, or were yes, they traditionally some of them separated? Yes, some of them, no. Most of them dealt with both. Most of them dealt with both. You got so much sick benefit, as they call it, mm -hmm. while you were sick, then you had a, a certain amount of that, that premium that you paid went into the burial fund. A certain amount of it went into the, the um, I can't think of the term that is used, but anyway, into the sick fund. And then uh, out, out of the um, fraternal organization situation, 
also through some insurances. We have some very good insurances, and that allow life insurance company and Universal Life Insurance Company, and we've got quite a few that are very good. And this became an insurance company. The, the American Whitman is now an insurance company. Okay. Um, so at any rate, you think that Dr. Abner's reason for leaving Austin was, was so to that become medical director of the uh, American Woodman Insurance Company. In Denver. Okay. In Denver. Uh, American Woodman. I'm trying to think of what it was called again. It wasn't called the insurance company then, but it was called something else. Okay. But it was known best by American Woodman. Now, I did, uh, Tom, Thomas, Thomas A. Webster, I don't know, except I knew a Thomas Webster uh, uh, in Waco that had a drugstore. Well, I, was I, he? He I don't think he was a physician. He lists himself as a physician. He's one of these group of doctors that. Did he list himself as a physician or did he list himself as a doctor? In those days, pharmacists were called, I didn't say the degree was, they were called Dr. So and so. Delashwell was Dr. Delashwell. Mm -hmm. uh, Webster was Dr. Webster. But I am not sure. You'll have to ask somebody older than I about Dr. Webster because he was not, um, I, I do not He's recall not his being here in Austin at all uh, uh, during my young life. Okay. You know. Well, I know there was a Thomas my childhood. Webster here. I have no doubt about Thomas A. Webster's presence. When I, uh, 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 Hortense, Hortier has a daughter. Hortense over in Waco. Yes. I'll have to ask Aggie about Hortense. We probably have her address. I mean her last name. I've heard about her from someone else, but I haven't gotten her last Webster. name. Webster. She was never married? I don't know. She might have been. She was. She went back to Webster. Oh, she did? All the, I okay. said if she was. Uh, but you uh, think she goes by Webster Webster, now? I think so. Okay. In Waco. You're I think she's, she's in still Waco. alive. I, yes. Uh -huh. I think she's. I think she's in Waco. Right, well, we're talking about the same Thomas. And was in, and was in Dallas at one time. Or lived in Dallas, so, but I think she went back to Waco. Okay. How do you know Thomas Hortense Webster? was her name. How do you know Thomas Webster in Waco? What do you know about him? He was just a druggist. Just is all I know. So he was a druggist. I really do not know. All I know is he operated a drugstore. I'll put it that way because I don't even know whether he was a pharmacist. Because everybody that ran a drugstore was called Dr. So-and-so, you know. And that might have been, there again, was something to give, may have been. The reason we call these fellows Dr. So-and-so is because they were not, they didn't have a degree, Dr. of Pharmacy. They usually had a title, graduate pharmacist. PhD was their distinction. Okay, I have Thomas A. Webster lists himself as a physician slash surgeon at 419 okay, and a half in 1912. Now 419 and a half, see, was farther up the street from where this building is. I told you my father and Dr. Gibbs. 424. 421. 421. See, I don't know where 424 was. I don't know what was there. All I can remember is that that must have been on the corner. Uh, uh, must have been on the corner of yes. Natchez and 6, 424. I don't remember where 424 was, but 421, uh, let's see, 
the Lashwa's drugstore was under there, and then in later years, Young had his drugstore under there. Uh, the reason I'm saying under was because it was the first floor of the same building. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's uh, right. Well, I do know that that Jennings, Crawford, and Webster were at 424 in 1909. Maybe so. Now that might have been the same building. That's the other thing that you mm -hmm. had to find. Because see, the the uh, number of this house used to be ten seventeen. Mm -hmm. It's eleven. It's been eleven fifteen now since about nineteen thirty, I guess. Right. All right. Well, the but it was it have, was ten seventeen. Right. Well, see, I, in nineteen ten, for example, I have Jennings at four twenty one, but I have Webster and Crawford at four nineteen. Well, 419 and a half was, uh, was uh, near a Congress in the same block. Right, probably right maybe, next door. Huh, maybe, huh? Back then. Because, see, the numbers didn't make sense back there then anyway. Oh, they didn't? What do you mean uh, they didn't make sense? Well, uh, say this was 1017, that might be 1007. The house next door they might be They were not numbered consecutively no, at that not time. Not always, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's just like this little house right there sitting in the street. They didn't care. They didn't care back then. then there were little trails, and, and they didn't care when Negroes built their houses. It was in the middle of the street. It's in the middle of your street, you know. Okay. <laughs> so. So numbers were not always consecutive. Mm -hmm. Not always. And then in later years, they were changed. See? Mm -hmm. In later years, they were changed. So now back there in 19... Nine, is it whatever you're saying? Mm -hmm. That might have been the same building with a different address. I mean, you know, with a different number. Mm -hmm. Because uh, they began trying to put numbers, apparently put numbers together uh, in block areas, you know. <coughs> okay. See, because whether this house is 10 blocks or 11 blocks from from wherever you want to say, Congress Avenue has been the dividing line between East and West, you say. So uh, whether, and, and the river in the beginning was the dividing line between North and South. Right. Okay, well I'm gonna have to lay that issue aside for a while. Yes. And uh -huh. deal with that. I wanna know what else you know about Thomas Webster in Waco. Operating Nothing. drugstore. That's all I know. When was he there that you know he was operating the drugstore? I guess he operated, I think he operated until he died. Because I didn't spend that much time in, in Waco, but whenever we would go through Waco, we usually would drive over there on, I believe that was on Bridge Street. And I think that was the name of the street back there then. And see, I don't know whether Waco has done some changing too. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we would just go by there for sundries and the like. And, and then my father would talk to him. Our father knew him, mm -hmm. but I didn't know him about him other than this is Dr. Webster and he operates the store and, you know. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Do you have any idea where he was from? Okay. All right, let's look at I don't have any idea where any of these people were from, except Dr. Christian, and you don't have him on here. Let's see, that's Webster, now Crawford. Mm -hmm. Dr. Crawford. Um, was he a medical doctor? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dr. Gibbons is the only one I know that went to Howard. Mm -hmm. Dr. Gibbons from Austin. 
the dentist. You went to Iowa, did you say? No, Howard. Oh, Howard. Howard. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most of the others went to uh, Meharry. Okay. Now, I can't tell you much about uh, Dr. Crawford except that he practiced here. And uh, tell you the truth, I don't even remember much about what happened to Dr. Crawford. He died in 1924 as a rather young man, 48 years of age. <coughs> don't recall. And they had children too. A daughter and a son. Put, put Ada Simon's name out there and she might be able to tell you more about that. Okay. And then um, see who else is it? Somebody else. I may think of somebody else uh, that would be able to help you some with these with these earlier early physicians. And the reason I'm saying Ada is because she has done research on it and that's what you have to do uh, with, uh, with some of these folks because they were they were adults, and you don't know how a child pays, pays any attention mm -hmm. to what the adult situation is. Now, down to Stevens, we've already discussed him, and I told you I'm, I'm totally unrelated to him as a druggist. Mm -hmm. And Thomas Delashua, I knew personally, of course, uh, through the years, and he did operate this drugstore, as I told you, at 421 East 6th Street. and. Uh, Do you know if, um, if, if, if during this period, was it common for women to be able to go down to the 6th Street just as much as, as men? Oh yeah, 6th Street was all right in those days. What do you mean, all right? Anybody could walk up and down the street at night, at any time at night or anything else. We, my church used to be where First Baptist Church is now. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, we would leave church, of course I was with my parents, of course then, mm -hmm. but the people would leave leave Westlake Church and go down the hill there to East 6th Street to that drugstore and have our ice cream sodas after church every Sunday night. That was sort of the meeting up place for recreation and mm -hmm. refreshments, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we as kids, Dr. Gibbons operated a theater down there. Uh, Mr. Lawson operated another theater. Gibbons was the Lyric Theater, Lawson was the Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And we kids were down there anytime. Of course, we weren't allowed to be down there. We were supposed to get home before dark. Mm -hmm. And then if we were going, if my daddy was going to still be at his office until late, mm -hmm. uh, then we could stay in the movie mm -hmm. and he'd come pick us up. Mm -hmm.
recreation. It had the Lincoln Theater there. It had that's Dr. right. It had Mr. Lyons Dance Hall over the grocery right. store. That's right. Block. That's right. And the Larry right. at the and, and store. That's right. Right. And Mr. Lyons had his grocery store under the dance hall. It was, he wasn't operating a dance hall as, as such, but the grocery store was the business, mm -hmm. and the, the upstairs was incidental. Mm -hmm. you know. Where else could blacks go for recreation at this time besides East 6th Street, or was this That's the place to go? That was about it. Private homes mm -hmm. and uh, that area. Eventually, and this was in later years, eventually the Bryant there were other places, mm -hmm. um, but perhaps the concentration, you might say, was in that area. It was more dense in 6th Street. So it was a social gathering place, a recreational site, as well as the business community's major, the black business community's major location. Are all those statements correct? Would you I say? think that's correct. I think you could say that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's definitely so much, much of the entertainment really was done in private homes. Much of the uh, closely related situations were in the private homes. There were clubs, there were uh, certain other organizations. Now, for instance, the, um, the physicians would get together maybe and, and have, uh, have little meetings. They would meet in their offices, and then if they had a social function, mm -hmm. then it would be in one of the homes. Right. So, so the, the doctor's wife as the uh, hostess. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, the restaurants operated. Oh, yes, they. But did they did they perform the service as being the place where um, celebrations could occur, or um, like the physicians after they had their meeting, would they or would they ever have their meeting at a restaurant? You were saying that they would probably not go that to I know. Home. I don't know because I wasn't a physician then. <coughs> so the restaurant involved, and I do know that my father would be gone to uh, a medical meeting. Sometimes it was in the office. Chances are it could have been down in Hugh Woman's restaurant. I don't know. Could have been. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I wasn't particularly concerned about the biggest concern that my sister and I had where the medical group was concerned was with that Lone Star State Medical Association because we used to uh, do quite a bit of driving uh, for my father in those so you would take him to the meetings, or you would? Well, he would do the driving on the highway. Uh -huh. But uh, when, when we got where we were going to say we, the meeting was in Beaumont, mm -hmm. well, we would drive him to the meeting, mm -hmm. and then uh, we would go wherever we wanted to mm -hmm. after that. In the car. Find some of our peers uh -huh. to spend the time with. And this, yeah. would, this was in the 1920s and yeah. 30s. Uh, I'm sure that, that uh, you can say that much of the recreation is going on 6th Street because of this. And as you say, the dances in that particular dance hall. Then in later years, there were other places, you see, to go. Uh, how did the white community uh, use 6th Street? Did they use it during this period? Follow up. Up in there were primarily white owned and operated. And 
see, this side of San Jacinto, uh, I think primarily the, um, and all San Jacinto, because Dr. Christian owned a building on San Jacinto, uh, uh, north of uh, Six. That block, that, that first block on the right-hand side, because, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, and Dr. Connor had his office there, and uh, Dr. Young had his residence there. So this would have been in the 100 block? Uh, uh, San Jacinto. Jacinto. San Jacinto. No, that's or not the 100 block. 100 block lives beginning on 1st Street. Right, are we talking Six. about 6th Street? Was We're talking about 6th Street? Street, so this would have been 601, 602, 603, or whatever. I don't know the sides now, which is which. But um, 6, you see, Anything north of 6th Street begins with 6. Mm -hmm. You okay. understand? I'm trying to find out, though, where Dr. Christian's building, was it in the... Uh, Let's see, what kind of restaurant is in there now? There's a restaurant, I believe, in that building now, and it's one of these new uh, entrepreneur things, you know? Mm -hmm. One of these actually. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with those restaurants. I'm not familiar with them uh, too much either because they moved in very rapidly. And, uh, but it would be on the east side of the street. And it is a two-story building. Well, the one on the corner is two-story too, but that's the Maroney building, I believe. It's on the so the building that we're talking about, owned by Dr. Christian, was in was it in the 400 block of East 6th Street? No, it was on, not on 6th Street. It was on San Jacinto. That's okay. what I'm trying to tell you. It's okay. on San Jacinto. That's what I think we understood. Yeah. It's on San Jacinto Street. Mm -hmm. And it would be 6-something. Okay. Because uh, I don't know which side is, is right. the even okay. and which side and is the left. But it's on right. the east side. That's fine. It's on the east side of the street. And I believe the downstairs part of that building now, I think, is a restaurant. What, I want to, what I'm trying to get at is, was the, the 400 block, was the 400 block used pretty much exclusively by blacks or did uh -huh. whites? That was the whites in there, yes, because there was a shoe store at, mm -hmm. at APPAL, shoe mm -hmm. store, mm -hmm. was in there next to my, uh, next to the building where my dad's office was. Mm -hmm. I see that old boy now sometimes, various places. I want to show you something. In looking at the city directories, I've developed these pages for each year, <coughs> and the names of the people are black. Therefore, Simmons, all of these other right. Julius Ray, I knew Julius Ray. He was on 6th Street. Yeah, uh, Julius Billiards and Pooh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Charlie Maroney, yes. And his daughter lives, still lives here. Right. And she's an Alice Jean Lenore. And uh, she doesn't remember her father, I'm sure, but this was her father, because her mother married again, and she assumed the name of her stepfather. What was? Her name was Alice Jean, L-E-N-O-I-R, L-E-N-O-I-R. And she was an Alice Jean Isaacs, was what she finally went by, but no, this is her married name, and Isaacs was her stepfather's name. Right, but she was Alice But she Jean was a Maroney. Maroney. She was born Maroney. Her father, Charlie Maroney, was her daddy. Mm -hmm. So her current name is Lenore. Lenore, that's a okay. married name, yeah. What I was no. trying to show yeah. you is that all of these other addresses are owned, are operated by whites. Right. So, mm -hmm. but you're telling me that the 400 block, which this is, was, are you telling a me? A large number, um, I'll, let me see, how can I put that? Um, 
most of the Negro businesses were existed in the 400 block of East 6th Street. Now, uh, other than that, you had the, the next block where Lyons store was. Uh, L.D. Lyons had, uh, had that grocery store and upstairs was the dance hall. Mm -hmm. um, then in, in still earlier years, I believe that was the block where, uh, seems to me like that's the block where Kids Funeral Home uh, mm -hmm. undertaking is there. Mm -hmm. where, where well, he's in the 500 block or the 600 block. He's yeah, that's what I'm talking about now. Lyons was in the 500 that's block. That's right. But this Harris went on up to 600, is, I think. Uh, it might have been. Yes, that's right. It was beyond mm -hmm. of, of east of Red River. That's right. Uh-huh. Okay, so this see, what Walmart, mm -hmm. the problem that I'm, that I'm trying to get at is you're telling me that when you would go down the East Street in the 1920s, what you'd see on the 400 block was whole lot of blacks. When I look at the city directory, I see some black businessmen. It was and, at a mostly white businessmen. So what I so there's so I need to reconcile something here. This this four hundred block was a very attractive place from the point of view not only of businesses but of also restaurateurs and the social and recreational aspects where the, the young blacks could come for recreation, I am assuming. I'm trying to reconcile what I see in the city directories, which is only half the story, of course, with what you're telling me. Am I making myself clear? Mm -hmm. So it was more than just a business block, is what I'm asking. Was it just more than was it more than just a business block? Was it was it the place where blacks could go to the ice cream parlor and mm -hmm. do these have these yes. other social perform these other social yes. functions? But the thing I'm trying to say is this. Uh, I don't know how many planned um, recreational activities were uh, accommodated down there. Mm -hmm. Because most of the activities, as I can remember, were planned in homes and uh, in the dance hall, if it was to be a dance, you see. But most of the other, now, I think I told you that we came from church down to the drugstore. That, well, that was recreation. But um, I don't think there were too many planned activities. Now, of course, if you took somebody to dinner, that's where you would take them because you had nowhere else to take them anyway. Because there were no yeah, other Unless you had the dinner in your home, which, is, which oh. was done frequently. Mm -hmm. People didn't eat out as much right. then as they, did, as they do now. There was no place else to take them because there were no other black restaurants? There were no other restaurants where blacks could go? Is that what you're That's saying? what I'm saying. Okay. Now, there were other restaurants because there was some out in this area, you see. Mm -hmm. There was some on New Evans Street, perhaps, and, and, uh, and the like. But um, most of those restaurants down there accommodated all of the, all of the business people, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. That is, those folks who were already downtown. Mm -hmm. So they would go use those restaurants That's for right. lunch. It, yeah. For lunch. Mm 